0: Welcome to Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy here. It is time for a Locked On crossover episode with me and Brad Moder from Locked On Rams. We recorded
1: a little earlier and here it is. This is a Locked On crossover and it's even better. It's a Locked On divisional crossover. I've got Alex Clancy from Locked On Cardinals with me. I am Bear Motter from Locked On Rams. We're going to be talking a little NFC West as we get ready for this Football season coming up, and it's football week. Talked about it yesterday on the show. We actually have live football games this week. Both yes, of us. it's really exciting. So it doesn't get better than that. Alex, how you doing, my man?
0: I'm good, dude. I've been man. It's been a long summer. It's been a long off season. And the difference between your off season and my off season was that mine was about four months longer. Even though the regular season was part of it, the Cardinals were out of any sort of contention pretty much week three of the 2018 NFL season. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit more excited than you are, I think, to actually have some sort of relevancy this season.
1: Yeah, it kind of is like, you know, that, that video games with your buddies, and all of a sudden you're losing, you're so far behind. You're like, can we just reset it and start over again because this is stupid to play right now? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's kind of the way that you just described the season. And we went all the way to the final and lost to the big boss of Tom Brady, and now we're just, like, frustrated, and we slammed the controller down. So both of us have a great reason to come into this 2019 season, but um, we'll start a little bit. We'll go back and forth. We'll talk a little offense. We'll talk a little defense near the end. We'll do kind of a scheduled preview and how we think this season's going to really end up. But, you know, I want to talk right out the gate. I mean, it's, it's the number one pick, Kyler Murray. We got your instant reactions after the draft, but it seems like he is really clicking out in Arizona right now. I saw one reporter say, I'm not going to say he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but he may be. And so the hype out there is, is getting crazy. What are your thoughts on the expectations since you guys have drafted them? Is it starting to go up a little bit? Yeah, I, I think that's, so
0: I find myself on the daily show trying to temper expectations because look at last season where Josh, uh, Josh Rosen, the Cardinals moved up and drafted him at 10 overall and Steve Keim, I, in, it's my opinion that they didn't really want him, but they saw that he dropped way lower than people had expected, and they're like, you know what, why the hell not? So they went up and got him, and then Sam Bradford and Mike McCoy and Steve Wilkes, oh my god, it seems like... So what the Cardinals have tried to do is just remove that from people's cerebellums. Remove that from memory as if it never happened. You, uh, you sign you know, an uh, uh, abs man himself, Cliff Kingsbury, with the chiseled jaw, and you're like, I want to go get Cl- uh, Kyler Murray. Cool. And uh, for those that listened to the NFL, uh, the locked-on NFL mock draft, Bo and I, we were under the impression that they were going to draft Nick Boza even though there was Kyler Murray talk everywhere. We were wrong. We were more rational than what the front office of the Arizona Cardinals uh, seemed to be. But moving forward into training camp, all the guys that we talked to, all the media pundits, ESPN, AZ Central, Arizona Republic, they're like, this guy's special. He's got a zip on the ball that a professional quarterback has, something they haven't seen since, you know, Carson Palmer a few years ago. But, man, it is exciting. On paper, you look at Kyler Murray, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, these draft picks, these guys that had high impact in college, guys that are athletic, can play the game of football. It's either going to be really exciting – or they're going to relegate the Arizona Cardinals to college football. It's going to be one or the other, but for us, it's going to be exciting either way.
1: Yeah, and it's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to be just kind of another addition to the NFC West as you're looking at you know, last year a Cardinals and Niners went 1-2 in the draft, and you're getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. You've got this awesome talent in Tyler Murray. You expect a big bump up and start to be a little bit more of a dogfight in the NFC West. And we'll see how that kind of goes. You mentioned those wide receivers that you guys got in the draft. Uh, there was some interest in signing Michael Crabtree, but it fell through, uh, which is kind of a bummer because, you know, we've got Tlaib and Richard Sherman's in the division. That would have been a really fun matchup twice a year for those, both those matchups. Obviously, you have some history with Michael Crabtree. But what does it say about the wideout room? Is that more they were looking just to add another guy? But you've got the guys you just talked about, Larry Fitz, Kevin White, former Bears top pick. Are they not living up to par, or was this more of just add a guy and figure it out?
0: You know, it's interesting. There's a couple different schools of thought, one of which is uh, they need help, that the rookie guys aren't really holding their weight so far in training camp. I don't think that's the case. I mean, there's going to be a learning curve, especially for young wideouts. Uh, you see, like, guys like, you know, Michael Thomas that came in and made immediate impact, but uh, he had. Uh, There was a learning curve for him, too. I mean, he disappeared in a lot of games his rookie season coming out of Ohio State. When you have young guys and only one guy drinking from the Fountain of Youth in Larry Fitzgerald, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough in the beginning to learn how to play the NFL game, especially with a rookie quarterback who's never thrown you the rock. What I think it was, two things. One, you can never have too much help when you want to put four wideouts on the field all the time. Number two, it kind of puts a little fire under the ass of these young guys. Like, hey, just because you were drafted by us in the second and fourth round doesn't mean you're going to have a job. And the the mixture of those two, inevitably it didn't work out yet. I mean, the, uh, all the reports I'm hearing is that the door is still open. He, Michael Crabtree is going to test the waters elsewhere, but if other teams wanted him at the price that he wanted, he would have been on a team already. So the Cardinals could definitely use him. They need as many possession receivers as possible. A guy that has a little swag – and uh, a guy that doesn't, you know, fear getting into the face of top-tier corners in the league. So I don't think the story's over. I just think it's more far-fetched uh, than it was a couple days ago from happening.
1: Very true. That, I mean, you're talking about one guy drinking from the, you know, the fountain of youth or, you know, that's been around in, in the league. And that's Larry Fitz. So it doesn't hurt to have another guy that's been around and can kind of help some of these rookies kind of get up to par you know, on a faster pace. My, my last offensive question for you, and this is almost a little selfish question. It's a fantasy value question here. Uh, <laughs> David Johnson, he's only had one season over a thousand yards. That was back in 2016. Uh, he also had 120 targets in the air that year with 80 catches. Uh, the closest he's gotten to that was last year. He had 76 targets through the air with 50 catches. Uh, but is this the year that he busts out and, and he's worth that, top five fantasy back, is he going to get a big chunk of yards and be back involved in in targets through the air?
0: Yeah, I mean, he was second in targets last year with the putrid offense that only put up 14 points per game. Uh, Just a little friendly reminder for the Cardinals fans out there, I say this too much, they averaged less points per game than the 2008 Detroit Lions who went 0-16. I like to pepper that Ooh. out once or twice a month just to remind people how <laughs> bad it was last year and how wins this year won't necessarily equate to progress points per game will. I I've talked with fantasy football pundits. I've talked we had Jake Arians on the show son of Bruce Arians. He thinks that David Johnson is a top 3 pick in fantasy this year. And we've talked to guys who've been to training camp a lot and when you run a lot of plays the running back needs to kind of Give everybody else a rest. And when you have the ability to just flank out David Johnson, swing passes, slants, wheel routes, it doesn't matter. The dude can run every route in the wide receiver route tree. He's going to have a lot of looks. He's going to have a lot of dump downs. The dude doesn't necessarily have that quick you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, explosive burst, but he knows where the first down marker is. He knows where the goal line is. He had more touchdowns than people... Remember last year, he had almost 1,000 yards rushing last year. The dude is going to be an absolute beast for fantasy this year. And the one thing the one thing that's going for him, well, actually two things. One, Zeke and and uh, Melvin Gordon's. Uh, there's still question marks around if they're going to show up. Le'Veon Bell's in a new system, and there are very few, I hate the term, but I'm going to use it, Bell Cow, number one lead only backs in the NFL anymore, usually have a 1A or 1B. There's not really one of those in Arizona with Chase Edmonds. So DJ's got a lot of things going for him. And even when they're down, they're going to be putting up those Blake Bortles of 2015 or 2016 points because they're going to be hucking the rock and he's going to be a part of it.
1: Man, well, I've got the number five pick in my league and now I don't know if he's going to, it seems like right in that David Johnson era where I've got to make that decision if if I'm going to go with him. So uh, this helps or this hurts, it kind of maybe, maybe a little clogged my mind because I've been uh, a little bit shy to stay, to, you know, trying to stay away from him. But now, you know, kind of hearing all of that may kind of work me the other way. But what we'll do, we'll step aside. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Rams on the other side. We'll talk some defense. Uh, we'll look into some schedule outlooks. This is a crossover edition with Alex and Bear Lockdown Network. We'll be right back after this.
0: This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text Five Star, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with Five Star Painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business. With 5 Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a 5 Star Painting owner... You'll also be a part of the greater Neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or already running your own painting company, text 5STAR, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about how a 5-star painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going at it alone. Again, text 5STAR, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R, to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to our crossover edition. We've got Alex Clancy of Lockdown Cardinals. You can find him at Clancy's Corner, which, by the way, love that Twitter handle. Thank you. Uh, You can find the show at Lockdown Cards. You also can find us at Lockdown Rams, as well as LA underscore Rambling Bear. Uh, Reach out, say what's up, give us some Uh, Stuff to talk about on the show. We always love interacting with you guys. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't forget Himalaya. Awesome app. Download it. It's free. Uh, We kind of talked in the first segment uh, a lot about the Arizona offense. I want to ask you a question. We just talked about fantasy and running backs. I want to hear your thoughts. What, What are you thinking? What is the outside world thinking about Todd Gurley? If you're the fifth pick or the seventh pick. Are you interested in Todd Gurley there? Are you a believer in this knee is a bigger issue? uh, Drafting the running back. Is that a problem for you?
0: I try to alleviate my life from question marks when it comes to fantasy. Uh, It's there. are (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, it's just here's the thing. Todd Gurley had a ridiculous year two years ago. He got paid. And then it's funny. it, it, It it doesn't directly remind me of Des Bryant after he got paid in Dallas, but you put this big sticker price next to somebody with guarantees and not guaranteed money. I had to look up what the hell that meant when his contract came out because it ended with an S and not a D regarding the money that was being given to him. I stay away from this, and especially when you draft – Daryl Henderson, when did they, did they draft him? in The third round? Yeah. I mean, cause, so that's – looking at it just on the field perspective – with what C.J. Anderson did last year in Week 16, 17, and in through the Super Bowl, and his ability to put up points, especially, I think he had three touchdowns and 150 yards against the Cardinals uh, in Week 16 last year. It's troubling. Not only for fantasy, because, I mean, Todd Gurley's great. You know, he's he, he's a surefire 15, 18, 20 points a week, but also for you, Brad Bear Motter, what the hell are you guys looking at over there? Because if Todd Gurley is not 100%, And if he has to miss some time, you have immediate drop-off with offensive production. So not what I think. What do you think about what the hell is going on over there?
1: So what I would say is we've got behind Todd Gurley, which I think Todd Gurley is going to be fine because I think where his production is going to step back is in between the 20s. In the middle of the field, I think it's where we're going to start to use Malcolm Brown, uh, Daryl Henderson who we drafted in that third round traded up to go get and the funny thing is Sean McVay goes back to the year before and said we wanted a running back last year to go with Todd Gurley but he didn't say who it was or who snaked him but someone went and took the running back they were interested in, so they decided to pass wait a year and this was the year they said okay we need another offensive weapon we saw Cooper Cup go down to have another person that can catch the football run the football it's just a value in that system in Sean McVay's system so where I think he's going to have less production is going to be in between the twenties. But what we saw from Todd Gurley last year is of the 15 rushing touchdowns he had 14 of them came with inside the 20 yard line. So when he gets inside the 20 yard line, they're going to start to give him the ball more. He scored, I think it was like eight or nine inside the five yard line. Like they just, if they get down there, he is the truck that's going to get him in. We may see Malcolm Brown come in a little bit more in that area as well, and maybe it bites into it a little bit. But I think as far as touchdowns, uh, overall yards, maybe the overall yards are a little bit down, but I think his touchdowns are still going to be up there. He can still catch the ball out of the out of the backfield as well. Uh, so I think he's going to be just fine. And I really, that's what's sad about getting the fifth or sixth spot in in a fantasy league is I want that number ten or twelve spot where it kind of you get two picks right there. Because I think in, and I'm in a league with a lot of Midwest, East Coast people. So I think he's going to drop and fall. And I would love to get him late and, and get some value there. Because I think he's going to be just fine. I think he ends up as a top five fantasy back. Uh, but again, I'm a little close to the home cooking here. And I've been hyped about him for a long time. But I think Todd Gurley's going to be just fine. I think Malcolm Brown, if Todd Gurley does go out, Malcolm Brown and, and Henderson, those two guys, we haven't really seen what Henderson can truly do, but the understanding and the expectation, what we've seen from college and so far in training camp, is that he can handle the rock. So uh, I think the running back situation is is weirdly we I think I'm looking at it a different way. I think we have extreme depth in that in that position. So we'll see how the the rock is shared, and we won't know until week one because none of these guys. Uh, especially Todd Gurley aren't playing in the preseason. We're not going to get an understanding of how it's going to be given out. So we're going to have to wait on this, and it's going to ha- you're going to have to buy into Todd Gurley whether uh, you want to or not if you want him on your team. But that is kind of the the interesting topic that we've been talking about all off season is what is up with that knee and how's it going to affect him.
0: Yeah, man. And I was in. It, it's so crazy. I mean, I was at uh, I was in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. Uh, covering it for the Fox Sports affiliate out here. And it was my first one, and I was, you know, starry eyed, and I was like, why the hell am I here? I have no business being here. And we were there for media night, and I was watching Todd Gurley talk, and he looked like he was going to play. Like he looked calm, and he's like, listen, I have nothing to hide. I'm ready to go. Now, Jared Goff looked like he had just seen a ghost, but Todd right. Gurley just looked like he was ready. He's like, just, it'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. So I just don't know where the disconnect is. And you're obviously way closer with it than me. So, I mean, if if you're not worried, then I shouldn't be worried either.
1: The last thing to say on that with the Super Bowl was, you know, the frustrating part is Todd's sitting there. I'm ready to go. He just, you know, two weeks ago he put up 120 yards on the ground versus the Cowboys. We saw a healthy Todd Gurley. He didn't get used very much at all versus the saints. I think he had, you know, under 10 carries total versus the saints. And then in the super bowl, he gets three carries in the first half. Like it's tough for a guy to be healthy. I don't care if you're healthy or not. Like, unless you break on your first run, like you're not going to get anywhere and you're not going to build any momentum. We saw them kind of go to him in the second half, but two of his big runs were taken back by holding penalties. One legit, one questionable, Uh, but you know, it it was tough. He never got going. Sean McVay kind of got out of his, Game plan at that point started throwing the rock all over the place. You mentioned Jared Goff looked like he saw a ghost. Uh, he didn't look much better in the Super Bowl. He was pretty shaky in that game. And, and it was weird to think, why not lean on another guy if you're not getting production via Goff, start to go back to the run a little bit more. Uh, it was a close game. You know We could talk about that one forever. It's, it's pretty frustrating. But I think Todd Gurley's coming in. He got the rest of he He's been sitting out OTAs. He's been going every other day at camp. I think he's going to be... Uh, at least they've got an understanding. We don't want you to break down at the end of the year like you did last year. We'll see how they manage them, but I still think in, in our world, I'm excited with Todd Gurley here.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, that that 11, 12 spots, that's sexy. That's where you want to be in fantasy. And the 5, 6 is kind of no man's land. 6, 7, 8. I don't know, man. I, I don't even want to talk about fantasy yet because I get too excited. But no, but I I agree with you that uh that if and or when healthy. He's still the best back in the league. Like, I don't know. Ezekiel Elliott's more of the in between-the-tackles guy. Todd Gurley is the best all-purpose back in the league, in my opinion. I mean, even with all those mouths to feed there, he still gets his nut. He still gets his his touches, and he'll touch the ball 25, 27 times a game, whether through the air or on the ground. And uh, if he's healthy, the Rams are still a favorite in the NFC. But if he's not, I'm, I, I, I'm not as sold on their running back by committee system as you are.
1: And I guess the funny thing is neither of us are going to know until we start playing some games totally. again. Henderson's never played a game in the NFL. Uh, and it, it will be interesting as we get to the schedule here in the next segment, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how this schedule lays out and, and how this matchups can be very interesting during the end of the year. So what we'll do is we'll step aside, we'll take a break, we'll be right back. We've got Alex Clancy, Bear Motter, lockdown crossover right after this. All right, we are back, third and final segment. We have got Alex Clancy from Lockdown Cardinals on Bear Motter, Lockdown Rams. We're breaking it down. Uh, I want to talk just a little defense before we get into the schedule uh, because a lot of our – both our teams, really, I mean, the the Rams are starting to get a little bit more defensive awareness, obviously because Aaron Donald brings everyone's attention when you step into an arena. But uh, when you're looking at your defense, because we've talked a lot of offense here, uh, what are you most excited about your defensive side of the ball, and what might be one of the bigger worries for you?
0: What I'm most excited about is that they reimplemented the 3-4 defense with Vance Joseph, and this is what the, the players that were on the Cardinals roster at the beginning of last season, this is what they were equipped to run. When Steve Wilkes came in with Al Holcomb as linebacker's coach from Carolina to be the D.C. last year, they put in the 4-3 defense, and everybody was kind of lost. I mean, put it this way, you have a guy in Hassan Reddick who was drafted a couple years ago, since his last year in college, he's played a different defensive scheme every year. And this is his fourth season, I think, in the NFL, third or fourth season, he's played a different defensive scheme every year. But this is going to be the anchor for the Arizona Cardinals once again. And the Cardinals' defense last year was much maligned, even though it was very unfair, because they were on the field the majority of the game every game. They were on the field almost 60% of the game every game, or close to it. I went to week one, game one, in Arizona against Washington. The Arizona Cardinals offense was on the field in the first half for five minutes. And that's the first oh. half of the first week of, of the NFL season. So when you look at that, remember, people, these are human beings who get tired. And if they're on the field a lot, doesn't matter how good you are, you could have the all-Hall of Fame team in their prime on the field. If they're on the field for 40 minutes a game, they're gonna be tired. And that's and and that's something that people need to remember. Now, shifting to this year, they've had a great offseason, in my opinion. Through the draft with Byron Murphy, when they took him uh, first pick in the second round out of Washington, he was looked at as maybe the best corner in the in the draft. They draft Deontay Thompson late in the fifth round, safety out of Alabama. They draft uh, Zach Allen, a defensive end third round out of Boston College. These guys are impact guys. And if you move to free agency, Terrell Suggs. So you have a guy that he's older, but he's still a leader. And that's something the Cardinals have been severely lacking, especially a vocal leader. Patrick Peterson, not a vocal leader out the first six weeks. You have DJ Swearinger, Buda Baker, Robert Alford. This is going to be a stronger defense than last year. The secondary is going to be feared heavily across the league with Buda Baker coming into his own at strong safety, and or free safety, sorry. And you have Robert Alford and and Byron Murphy potentially taking the reins over from Patrick Peterson as one of the better lockdown corners in the league. It's going to be a scary defense you have to deal with. And Darius Phylon as a defensive tackle coming over from the Chargers, a guy that's been, he's won. He's been on a defense that's won things before, and that's something that the Cardinals have severely lacked in the past. So I'm super excited. One thing that I'm weak on a little bit is the linebacking core. I mean, they brought in Jordan Hicks, a guy I didn't didn't mention, the guy that got the most money in free agency coming over from Philadelphia playing inside linebacker. But you don't have much depth from the linebacker position, and that will become a huge exposure if they don't learn the 3-4 defense quickly with all the schemes that Vance Joseph wants to put in because those – they're the gatekeepers. They're going to be in the middle of the field, whether there's blitz packages, you know, uh, fake blitzing, uh, coverage. The linebackers are going to set the stage for the whole defense in this in this 3-4 uh, scheme. So that's what I'm most nervous about. But with the acquisitions in uh, free agency and through the draft, I'm pretty excited about the defense this year. I really am.
1: Man, well, you mentioned uh, T. Sizzle there, and I just can't get out of my head uh, watching uh – HBO ballers and he makes the appearance. On oh there, dude. Love that's that like show. All I see now. <laughs> so now all I see is every time I see him on the field, I just see him as the character on the show, which I think is himself. So it kind of makes it even more funny, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean talking about adding a lot of pieces there uh, to your team, which it is crazy. We talked about at the beginning of this show, how fast can the turnaround be in the NFC West, especially down in Arizona and, you know, listening to you talk and I'm sure your listeners have heard this for a while, but it starts to get exciting from my aspect, too, because we want a tough division. We want to work for it. We want a close games. And you know, we, the last two years, the, the Rams have won the division by three games and by two games. And I'm curious, when is the year when we've got you know those last couple games of the season, including this year where we play you guys uh, the very end, the last game of the season? When does that game mean something? And hopefully that's this year. Uh, if not in the years to come, because there's still a lot of young guys out there. On, oh, really on both rosters, but looking at the schedule, um, you know, it's, it's an up and down. You got, you obviously start at home uh, with Detroit and then uh, on the road to Baltimore, Carolina, Seattle at Cincinnati home versus Atlanta at New York at New Orleans home versus San Francisco at Tampa Bay. San Francisco week 12 by that is a late bye. Yikes. Uh, what are your thoughts on that first group of that first buy? where are you guys looking to be how do you think it's going to play out and are you a fan of the week 12 by you
0: know it's interesting so if this were the Rams schedule you would be
1: salivating
0: I mean this seems like <laughs> an easier uh, on the easier side of the spectrum schedule if you if it's a team that's not you know it in the cellar like the Arizona Cardinals were last season. I'm stoked about the first four games. We're going to find out right away. We're going to find out right away what the Cardinals are capable of. They have five out of their first seven games at – wait. Four out of their first six games at home. So you have the Lions coming in. They have the best defensive line in football. So this – in my opinion, is going to be the baseline barometer for the rest of the season. If this offensive line can hold up, if Kyler Murray can hang, we're going to have an NFL quarterback. If he gets sacked seven times and is limping off the field at halftime, may think about trading the guy. I'm just kidding. But when it comes to the first four games of the season, we are going to know immediately if the Arizona Cardinals have something for the future or if they do not. Because Okay, so let me ask you, and, and the Cardinals don't play the Rams until later in the season. Let me ask you, if you looked at the Cardinals' first four games and the Cardinals' home games were Rams' home games, what record do you think the Rams would have after four games?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, and I'm with you, you know, we're, we're looking at that schedule, I want us to be 4-0, right? You know, you're talking about Seattle, who we've done really well over the years, you get Carolina at home. The one tough one is going to Baltimore, uh, but other than that, Detroit away from you know far on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, I would love that, and we kind of go, we do this home away, home away, home away for most of the season, and then we have a couple home and a couple away near the end of the year, but the one thing I found interesting about your schedule as well is that you face everyone in the NFC West at home first, And then you finish with on the road of every single one. Even though San Francisco road game is before the LA home game, you face each of those opponents at home first, and then you finish at San Francisco, at Seattle, at Los Angeles. So talking about those first 12 games and those home games in the division, those are very important to win early because you gotta do it, you know, late on the road if you need to get a couple games, if you're even looking at a wild card or anything like that. So it is an interesting schedule, and you talk about playing the Rams late. You don't have to play until week 13, and last year, that's right about when Jared Goff came back down to earth. Todd Gurley started slowing up with his knees. So as an Arizona fan, you also look and say, hey, man, if the Rams are a little beaten up by week 13, or maybe they've, they've got enough wins where they're kind of starting to you know, relax a little bit, uh, it's a time to really attack. You get them at home first, and then the last game of the season, uh, but it is it is an interesting schedule. Uh, we play a lot of the same teams, and I think people have said that about our schedule is that it's pretty weak or that you know we've got an easier schedule. but hey, I, I'm okay with it. I'm not gonna complain about that. Obviously, we both have to play New Orleans. you have to play them on the road. We play them at home. Uh, but this is a this is a winnable schedule. and like you said, right off the gate, those first four games, you really can make a a point to say we're not the Arizona Cardinals of last year
0: yeah and and the Rams listen. I mean the reason why it seems like that these schedules are easy is because we're in a transitionary period in the NFL where the Browns are no longer the Browns. The Buccaneers, the Bruce Arians, are not going to be the – they'll be closer to the Ryan Fitzpatrick first three weeks of the season last season than the tail end of last season. The 49ers with Jimmy right. Garoppolo. It's going to be kind of the passing of the guard here. And the weaker teams, even though it looks like on schedule, on paper, it's going to be easier games, easier games to roll over – these could be very difficult games. I mean, your, your first four weeks with the Panthers on the road, who knows what Cam's going to be? Who knows if Christian McCaffrey's going to be able to double what he did to, you know, uh, reenact what he did last season? The Browns on the road. I mean, it's it's going to be difficult to see because the Rams, here's the thing. The Rams, in my opinion, and, and tell me if I correct or not before we get out of here, you're in a position there in Los Angeles where this could get stale where Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, it's not that it could become predictable with with Sean McVay's offense, but when it comes to the third season, after making the Super Bowl, you have guys across the league that start to notice tendencies, and the potential exposure of Sean McVay's offense could happen this season. Do you see that as a possibility where Robert Woods is a great receiver? He's not top tier. Brandon Cooks is one of the fastest guys on the field, but he's very streaky, and Cooper Cup, who knows what he's going to be coming off of the ACL, a- ACL surgery, and the question marks around Todd Gurley and Jared Goff's performance. Do you see this as a potential exposure year for the Rams, where it could be a nightmare scenario where they drop to you know 8, 9, or 10 wins, or is that out of the realm of possibility?
1: I mean, in my world, it's a little out of the realm of possibility because what I, what I put a lot of value in is that even looking at Sean McVay last year and watching some of his play calling, uh, throughout the year where he would set up a play in weeks one through six, and then in week seven or eight, where everyone expected it to be one way, he'd pull the card, he'd go this way. And all of a sudden you you, you thought you knew what was coming and it was going the other way. So Uh, I think of him as one of those guys that the off season is no better time to create more and more plays. He talks about watching college football, high school football, uh, tape of other NFL games. He is taking from all over. I don't think there's a limit to where he's going to, you know, be out coached by a defensive side or a scheme. And and as I say that we can bring up a few games last year, right? It's going to happen throughout the year, but in a majority of games throughout a regular season where you have one week to prepare I like him in that ballgame to prepare against another team compared to them having all this film and, and kind of in their own head about what is Sean McVay going to do. You talked about the offensive weapons. Um, Robert Woods, I think, is a perfect fit for this system. Put him on a couple other teams. I don't know if he's going to be as productive as he is, uh, but he's found a right fit in Sean McVay's system. You got to have the guy that can go over the top in, in Brandon Cooks, and you're right, he can be a little streaky at times, but when you connect with him, you've got the deep threat. Cooper Cup. the excitement thing about him is it seems to be coming back. You're never going to know until you get to a full-on contact. Uh, but everyone in the building, in the organization, and around watching this kid at practice uh, seems like he hasn't skipped a beat. So uh, really with that and then adding in the, the, uh, the running backs and the depth that we've built there, and I think Jared Goff doesn't get enough credit in this. It is McVay's system, and he is the puppet master of – Jared Goff, and I've seen just you know watching him from the rookie year where he played the last four or five games and then getting the full start and then coming to where he went all the way to the Super Bowl, I've seen him make some really big throws that it doesn't matter what system you're in, that that is a reaction throw. It's a move. It's a shake. It's a a slide to the left and a deep throw or across the middle where he's put the ball in some tight windows. I think he needs a little bit more credit in the system as well, too. So I think it's everything that comes together. But you're right. There's always that thought of, when is everyone going to catch up to this? And can we keep staying ahead of them? Uh, but you'll see a lot of that similar stuff in your offense, hopefully over the next couple of years, as you know they brought him in to be this offensive guy that's going to move the football and take this team to the next level. Uh, hopefully, are both our coaches coming from an offensive of mind? It's a cat and mouse game. Can they keep the defense at bay enough? But uh, we'll only find out in due time because the season is just around the corner. I can't wait. I am a little bummed that we have to wait, you know, twelve. 13 weeks before we get to match up, but we'll get together again uh, during the regular season as we get closer to those games, talk about it. Hopefully we're talking about some exciting matchups in the NFC West. Hopefully we have healthy teams on both sides, but uh, I appreciate you taking time and talking to us. And I look forward to uh, talking with you again.
0: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me.